Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Good morning, Valley Point. I need you to talk back to me a little bit today, okay? Good morning. It's great to see you. I'm glad that you're here. I also want to welcome all those who may be watching online. Thank you for joining us as well. It is really good to see you as we begin this new theme called White Napkin Sundays. You are loved. You are loved. And it's truly an honor to see what God is doing through all of us. Today, this new theme begins. And I love, love, love White Napkin Sundays. It's our chance to doodle and draw and write on napkins. So here's what I want you to do. If you have a Bible, I want you to get that ready because we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 23 and a couple of verses that will set the context for our first White Napkin Sunday discussion. So have your Bible ready and then pull out that napkin, okay? Get that ready. And here's what I need you to do. I want you to imagine that we are in a restaurant or in a coffee shop and we're having a delightful conversation. Like, this is fun and enjoyable, and we're just really having a good time in this restaurant or coffee shop, and you want to write some things down that we may be discussing, but you don't have any paper with you, because who carries paper anymore, right? And you left the phone in the car, so the only thing to grab is a napkin, and you grab it, and you begin to write some things down. That's what we're going to be doing for the next three weeks. So be ready to grab those napkins. Think about being in a restaurant or having coffee and enjoying a good conversation and you want to jot down a few things. So take that napkin. This is going to be my napkin here. A little bigger than yours, I think. And I'm going to divide it into two pieces. You're going to need all sides of your napkin today. And I want you to write down these words. What Why, how, are you writing them down? Some of you are looking at me. Be sure you're writing them down. (laughs) And one more word, when. What, why, how, and when. I believe these are critical organizational questions that you have to ask and you have to be able to answer if you're moving in a good direction. What are we doing? Why do we do that? How do we do it? And when do we know we're winning? When do we know we're succeeding? What are the measurables? What, why, how, and when? We're gonna ask and answer those questions today in relationship to Valley Point Church, the organization. Now, I will say this. I think these critical organizational questions have broad application to every and any organization. So you think about what you may be involved in, in terms of where you work, that is an organization. And you can ask these organizational questions about what's happening there and why and how and when. If you're a student and in school, that is an organization. Everybody here is part of a family. Families in their own unique way, are organizations. And you can ask these questions about your family organization. What are we doing? 
What's our purpose as a family? And why is that our purpose? How are we going to accomplish that purpose? And what are the measurables? How do we know we're winning as a family organization? So there are a lot of different ways that you can apply these critical questions to different organizations for our purpose today. We're going to be thinking about Valley Point Church. Okay, here's our big idea. I want you to write this down. Our big idea today is to live the map. Live the map. I want to clarify the vision map of Valley Point Church and what we're doing, why we do that, how we do it, and when we know we're winning. I want to ring that bell a little bit today as we begin this new theme. Now, if you're here and you are new or newer to Valley Point Church, I think this is a great day for you because you should find this to be very informative. But beyond information about who we are as a church, I hope that you find this to be inspiring. Like, wow, that's what they are attempting to do with God's strength and God's grace as a church. And I hope it may just inspire you to unpack your spiritual bags, take off your shoes, put your feet up, and make a spiritual home right here at Valley Point Church. I hope this conversation helps with that. If you have been here for any amount of time, you have heard this conversation before. We've talked about these questions, what, why, how, and when. You know the answers. And right now, you're wondering, why did I get up on a rainy day and schlep into this church to hear the same talk once again? Listen, I'm glad you're here. Really glad that you're here. Because it's important that we review this. And I hope, if you've been here for any length of time and you know the answers to these questions, you even know the life-saving station parable that I'm going to read in a moment that I've read for like eight straight years. You're like, oh, it's that story again. I hope you love it. I hope you love it. And here's why. Because I love it. And I have more passion and fire inside of me to help us and to lead us as an organization to live the map than ever before. So I'm really excited about this and think we're going to have a really fun time today. Here's what I've discovered. In 26 years of working in different churches, I have found that churches have to go back and remind themselves of some very basic things, and they need to do that often. Now, one might think that shouldn't be something that needs to happen. After all, churches are helping people come into a loving relationship with God. How can you drift off of that? But I will say it happens quickly. And so churches, again, based on my experience, have to constantly go back and what is it that we're doing and why and how and when? We have to ask these critical organizational questions. And so that's really the purpose of today, to just go back once again, as a faith community, and remind us of very basic but yet essential things. So, before we get into the what, why, how, and when, we need to talk about this. Mission drift. Oh boy. 
(laughs) Mission drift, it's a really scary thing. And it's a problem for churches. I think it's a problem for any organization that you just begin drifting a little bit. I read recently that every organization starts out with a purpose and with a vision. They have to, otherwise they never form. So they start out with the intention of doing this or moving from A to B or making this or producing or fixing whatever it is that they're doing as a company, as an organization. Everybody starts with a vision, but very few end with one. And that's kind of a problem. And why we need to go back and review some very basic things as we consider where we are going as a church. So mission drift, it is very scary. And we have to fight it or it will happen. It's inevitable if we don't fight against it. And mission drift will diminish our impact as a church. And I'm not okay with that. And I don't think you are either, and that's why you're here on Sunday, so that we can learn together. But if we don't address mission drift and go back and review some very basic things, it will happen and it will diminish our impact. It's a very scary thing, and so we need to avoid it at every possible turn. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to read this story to you. It is my favorite parable. My favorite story found outside of the Bible. So you're not going to find this story in the Bible, but it has a lot of application to what we are going to think through and what we will discuss. So I want to share it with you. Many of you have heard the story before. It's the life-saving station parable. Yay! Ready? Take a deep breath. Okay, story time. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, There was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea, and with no thought for themselves, they went out day or night tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station so that it became famous. Some of them of those that were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and give of their time and money and effort to support its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. The little life-saving station grew. Wonderful. Some of the new members of the life-saving station were unhappy, though, that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. So here's what they did. They replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in an enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as sort of a club. Less of the members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions. So they hired lifeboat crews to do this work, The mission of life-saving was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, 
and some spoke a strange language. And the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal life pattern of the club. But some members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the life of all the various kinds of people who were being shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. They did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. They evolved into a club and yet another life-saving station was founded. If you visit the seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters. Only now, most of the people drown. Sad ending, isn't it? You thought maybe that was going to turn around and be a great story. It's really not. It's a very sad ending to this parable, but a marvelous illustration of how mission drift can keep us from doing what we initially started to do. And mission drift, again, is a very scary thing. Very scary. And we've got to fight against it. Mission drift can be best described as we were once moving in this direction and doing this stuff over here and then kind of lost sight of this for whatever reason and started doing other things, not necessarily bad things, but all of a sudden we end up way over here, far from the initial mission. There is a tremendous amount of drift. It's a scary thing. It must be fought against and it will keep us from being effective. And so we got to constantly push against being the life-saving station that stopped being a life-saving station. Okay, everybody still with me? Are you doing okay? Great. I want you to take your Bible or your device and find Proverbs chapter 23. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Verses 17 and 18. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Don't envy sinners. Okay, but always continue to fear the Lord. So don't envy, but fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. Pretty straightforward, I think, and easy for us to understand. Would make a great life verse. So if you haven't chosen one for this year, maybe you want to grab Proverbs 23, 17 and 18 or make a mental note of this for next year because this is so clear and very helpful. Let's look at some words here. Don't envy. In the context here, that means don't be jealous. Don't become excited about sinners and what they're doing and their activity So don't envy that, but always continue to fear. And that word here in the construction of the sentence means to reverence, to respect, to give honor to the Lord. So put this off over here. Don't envy sinners. That's not a good thing. Instead, always honor, respect, reverence, fear the Lord. And here's the good news. 
Verse 18, you will be rewarded for this. Your hope, your expectation is what that means, or your optimistic outlook will not, so good, will not be disappointed. Meaning it will not be cut off or it will not be exterminated. We could take that verse and we could paraphrase it this way. Don't be jealous of sinners. Give reverence to the Lord continually and your optimistic outlook will not be cut off. Very encouraging, right? You could actually draw that verse out this way. Envy. Jealousy, that's how it starts. No, don't do that. (laughs) Put that off in your life. And here's what I want you to replace envy with as you live for Christ. Make sure that your heart is pointed in God's direction and you are honoring and respecting and reverencing him. You are fearing him in doing this. Your hope will not be extinguished or cut off. Is this making sense? Don't envy. Not a good thing. That will hurt and cause mission drift, which again is scary, so we need to avoid that. The way we avoid mission drift personally And corporately, as an organization, is we have to make sure the posture of our heart is reverencing and respecting God. Here at Valley Point, we look at verses like Proverbs 23, 17, and 18, and find a tremendous amount of purpose in this. Don't envy, individually or corporately. Don't envy sinners and their activities. Instead, point your heart in God's direction and reverence him and your hope will not be cut off. We take those verses seriously. And based on that, we find meaning and purpose and hope. And we have put words to that. We put language to that. We have reworded it and re-languaged it over time, and we will continue to do that as we grow and mature as a church so that we are reverencing God and also answering these questions. What are we doing? And why are we doing that? How are we doing it? And when will we know we're successful in terms of the posture of our heart, reverencing God? So with that in mind now, and with that backdrop of mission drift, being a very scary thing, the life-saving station no longer being a life-saving station because they entered into scary territory here. We want to live the map, point our hearts in God's direction. Let's begin thinking about these questions now. Here we go. You might need to turn your napkin over to another side. Feel free to do that. What are we doing as a church? Well, guess what? Our purpose, our mission is to point people to real relationships and real significance. That's what we're doing. Maybe you've heard this before. We're serious about this. We open our doors and we want to point people to real relationships and real significance. So let's think about the what for a few moments. Real relationships. We want everybody who walks in the doors of this place and finds a home here to know that they can have a real relationship with God. And that God the Father 
loved each and every one of us enough that he sent his only son to die in our place to pay the price for our sins. But death could not defeat him. He rose again. He conquered death. He lives. And by trusting in Jesus alone, we now can have a forever and eternal friendship with God the Father. That's great news. Great news. And we want everybody who comes into this place, no matter how old they may be or no matter how young they may be, whatever the circumstances in their life, We want them to know you can have a real and lasting relationship with God the Father who created you and loves you. We want everybody to know that. Beyond that, we want everybody to know you can have a real relationship with other people as well. And we try to create our programming and what happens here at Valley Point to foster relationships with people because you need others in your life who are there to celebrate with you on great days, but they're also there to hold up your arms and sustain you when life is broken and you find yourself hurt and devastated. You need people who will cry with you as well and hold up your arms and sustain you through those periods of life. And we're working hard to do that here at Valley Point Church for everyone who walks through the doors that they can know God loves you He does, and you can have this lasting friendship with him that assures you of a home in heaven. You can also have some great people around you to cheer with you as well as to cry with you. So what are we doing? We are pointing people to real relationships and real significance. Why do we do that? Because there's probably a few other things we could be doing as a church, but again, we're trying to pour our efforts into that. Why do we point people to real relationships and real significance? Well, it's because we value truth. This is supposed to be the Bible. We value truth. We also value people. God loves people. And because God loves them, we should care for them as well. We value generosity. And get this. We value our location, 209 Bethel Road. That's our location here. But here's the deal with 209 Bethel Road. That's where our church building is. This building could go away. We could no longer have it. And Valley Point Church would be very much alive and thriving because the church is not a building. It's a body of believers. And so everywhere we go with all of our locations, not just 209, I'm writing down 3317. That's my house number. When I go to my house, I'm still the church. So write down your house number, or if you want to write down your office or your school, whatever is a significant location for you. It's not just about 209 Bethel Road. It's about 3317 Goodley Road, or whatever your number and road may be, or your office, or your school, or your other location. We need to be on mission there and live as sent ones. So why do we point people to real relationships and real significance? It's because we value truth, people, generosity, and location. Let's think about these statements. Truth. We are passionate about following Jesus and applying biblical truth so it makes a difference in how we live. That's why every Sunday, we take time to open up the word of God and say, okay, here's what God says. 
in this ancient text that was written at a different time and in a different culture. But let's take that ancient text and let's wrestle with it and let's look at context and history and determine how we can best live this out in our day and in our time. We're passionate about truth. And what does God want for us? Let's read, let's discover, let's wrestle, and then let's implement. We value people. We deliberately create environments where relationships can thrive because, will you say it with me? Everyone matters. Let's say it again. Everyone matters. I don't think I can emphasize or say this enough. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. The people that we like and we enjoy spending time with in our lives, as well as the people that we may not like, they still matter. Imago Dei, we talked about this several weeks ago. It's a Latin phrase meaning in the image of God. All people created in the image of God, they matter deeply to him. And because they matter deeply to God, everybody should matter to us. Even if we disagree with them or even if they're not like us, we can let God sort out all of those details. Let's love people and give them Jesus because everyone matters. Everybody. Everyone matters. We also value generosity. We intentionally use our time and resources to meet needs in our community and around the world. Here at Valley Point, we like to give a lot of stuff away. And we ask for some big things because there are a lot of people who need our generosity in order to survive. And so we want to be ready to take what is not actually ours. Because remember, God owns everything. And he simply entrusted to us our talents and our time and even the money that we have. It's not really ours. God has given that to us for a season to manage And so we can hold all that with open hands because God is not a God of scarcity. He is a God of abundance and we can freely share. So let's just be generous. Let's give things away, help people. We also value our location. We love our neighbors and seek to be a joyous presence where we live, work, and play. Listen, there's a lot of crabby Christ followers out there, (laughs) right? You probably know a few. If that happens to be you, Stop it, okay? Don't be a crabby Christ follower. Where we live, work, and play, let's go and let's have a joyous presence there because that, by and large, is missing in the world. And what a difference we could make simply by showing up with a little bit of joy and not being so negative. So we love our neighbors everywhere we go. Let's be a joyous presence where God takes us at 209, at 3317, and everywhere else. Okay, are you still with me? Great. So that is what we are doing. That is why we are doing it. Let's think about how we do this now. Three words. We accomplish all this as we worship, as we connect, and as we go. Our strategy here at Valley Point is very simple. We say we basically only do three things here. We worship. This is where we grow our relationship with God. We connect. 
This is where we grow our relationships with others. And we go. This is where we do significant things with this one life that God has given to us. And so we pour all of our efforts, our creativity, and our budget into worshiping, connecting, and going. Again, worship, it's where we connect with God. Connecting, this is where we interact with others and go. This is using the one life that I have to do something significant, and we're trying to provide a lot of on-ramps here at Valley Point where you can take your life and do something really significant with it that lasts for eternity. And by the way, we do all of this in imperfect ways. Guess what? We are an imperfect church. We are. If you are looking for a perfect church, we're not it. We're not. And I know that because I've been here for nine and a half years now and know that we are imperfect because I know that I am imperfect. And if I haven't yet, I will disappoint you at some point. But yet what we find here is forgiveness and we yield to each other. We submit. We come to the table and we learn from each other as we continue to ask these critical organizational questions. What, why, and how. We worship, connect, and go imperfectly. And that's quite a beautiful thing, actually, because the grace of God is so real and living and dynamic, and we get to experience this together. Okay, one more question. When? What's the measurable? When do we know we're winning and succeeding? I like to win. Anybody else like to win? Okay, let's think through that again. Anybody else here like to win? winning is fun. It's enjoyable. We like to succeed in life. And I think we can win and succeed at following Jesus. So what's the measurable as we seek to live the map and avoid the scary mission drift? All right, let's think through this. I want to take these three words because this is how we accomplish our mission of pointing people to real relationships and real significance. So let's take these three words, worship, connect, and go, and build them into measurables. And we do it this way. It's when worship, we know we're winning when worship is a lifestyle. That's somebody who's happy. That's the best way I can draw a lifestyle. It's when connect is a priority. It's really important. And it's when go is a passion of my heart. Whenever we see that happening, we can say we're winning and we're succeeding and pointing people to real relationships and real significance, when worship is a lifestyle, when connect is a priority, and when go is a passion. So let's tease those out a little bit so that they make sense. Worship is a lifestyle, which means I will respond to the greatness of God who saved me by grace through his son, Jesus. And whenever I find myself responding to the greatness of God, whether it's in this room, whether it's in your car, whether it's in your home, at your school, whenever you're responding to God, like, God, you're really good to me. Thank you. Wow, that's a great thing. Winning. Winning. Whenever we find that happening, 
I don't think we have to complicate this. Whenever that is occurring in our life, we are succeeding. Here's the action step that lives this. I will spend at least one period of the week listening to God through his word. Hey, congratulations. You started your week winning by being here and putting yourself under the authority of the word of God. Great job. You're winning already on Sunday. You should smile a little bit, okay? It's a good thing. You're taking time to listen to God through his word. And then we're going to add to that one period learning about his son Jesus in community with others. So whenever we're connecting with other people outside of Sunday and having spiritual conversations or allowing somebody to sharpen us or hold us accountable in some way to what God may want, winning, that is a great thing. I have said this many times and I believe it to be true. If the only time you feed yourself spiritually is Sunday morning, that's the only time you're spending a period of time in the word of God when we walk through this right here. You will starve spiritually. That's not enough. Something needs to be happening on Monday through Saturday in terms of engagement in the word of God, individually and even with other people. Whenever you see that happening in your life, on Monday through Saturday, adding to this, you're winning. You're succeeding, and that's a great thing. By the way, I want to sidebar here for a moment and give a commercial for our summer groups that will be coming. And I would encourage you to pay attention to these. We're going to host several groups that will probably take place right here on the church campus. And you listen for those. They are a way for you outside of Sunday to spend a period of time with other people learning about God and his word. They're going to be great groups. You listen for them. I would encourage you to participate even over the summer because in doing that, it means we're on this path to winning. That's a measurable. Okay, worship is a lifestyle. I will respond to the greatness of God who saved me by grace through his son. What about connect? Well, connect is a priority, which means this. I will selflessly build relationships because everyone matters. So I will selflessly do that. And here's the action step that lives this. I will choose to regularly engage. And here's some examples. Hospitality. I love this one. Do you know if you're hospitable, and and some people really enjoy this and other people don't, and I understand that, so it's not the only thing we can do. But if you are hospitable, Do you understand that is connecting people? And when you have the opportunity to share a meal with somebody in your home or maybe even outside of your home, walls come down because food is the great equalizer and you get the chance just to talk and understand people and listen to them and their hurts and their concerns, maybe without even offering anything into that, just listening. Hospitality is a big deal. I just bought a book and I'm gonna read it over the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited about it. I don't remember the exact title, but it's Hospitality, A Lost Christian Art. And I can't wait to read it because I want to improve in this area. It is a way we can connect with other people. So if you're good with that, know that when you're being hospitable, yay, (laughs) you're winning. And that's beautiful. Or a good conversation centered around spiritual things or praying with people inside, and let's not forget about those outside the church in order to grow my relationships with others. Whenever you see these things happening, winning. Great job.
How about go as a passion? Which means I will leave a legacy through my time, my talents, and my resources by living as one cent. Now here's the action step that lives this. I will selflessly serve inside and outside the church in order to live the gospel, which the gospel is the good news that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. So I will selflessly serve inside and outside the church in order to live the gospel and surprise and delight others through a passionate, outward-focused faith community. Whenever I find myself going, whether it's activity in a love day or on a compassion trip or even on my own where I am selflessly serving other people in the middle of the week, I am winning and I am living the map And individually and corporately, we are avoiding mission drift, which is a very scary thing. All of that takes us back to Proverbs 23, verses 17 and 18. Don't envy sinners. We talked about this. Jealousy, it's not a good thing. Don't envy sinners. And that's sometimes hard because it looks like they have a lot of fun sometimes, honestly. But don't envy them. Instead, take your heart and your life and honor, fear, reverence, respect God. Which takes us to the full vision map. So look at this. Here it all is together. This is how we avoid mission drift. We're going to point people to real relationships and real significance. I believe that's what God has called Valley Point Church to do. And we've been on this path for a while now. God is using it to restore people and hope, to help lost people find Christ, to help those who are found grow up into their full spiritual potential, give purpose and meaning. God's really using this. Why do we do that? It's because we value truth, people, generosity, and location. How do we do that? Three things. It's all we do. Worship, connect, and go. And what's the measurable? How do we know we're succeeding? It's when worship is a lifestyle, when connect is a priority, and when go is a passion. May God give us courage to keep living this. I have one takeaway. Here it is. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly by living the map. Remember these words? These phrases, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. That's our life verse as a church. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. We memorized it. If you were here in January, you're ready to say it with me. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To... All right, sounds like we need a little bit of work on this. We have forgotten our memory verse from January, so perhaps we need to add one more takeaway, and that's to go back to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And remember, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does he want? Here it is. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And in doing that, I believe we will be living the map and avoiding mission drift, which is a scary thing that will diminish our impact. God doesn't want that. I don't think you want that. So what are we doing? We're pointing people to real relationships and real significance. Why do we do that? It's because we value truth, people, generosity, and our location. 
How do we do that? We worship, we connect, and we go. And when do we know we're winning? When worship is a lifestyle, when connect is a priority, when we reschedule and reorganize our life around this, and when go is a passion. Hey, one year ago, we were six months into our new home here, and we were getting acquainted with our new space. Everybody was trying to figure out where to sit, where are the bathrooms located, where do you check in your kids, how do you pick up coffee? We were getting used to all of that. And in the process, we were growing as a church and adding people. We added a third service along the way. And we kept trying in our imperfect ways to live the map of pointing people to real relationships and real significance and to do this in humble ways. And God has really used that. He has, which is remarkable. And I applaud you and want to encourage you for living the map for the past year. But that's all in the past, right? That was a year ago. So what's next? What are we doing now? Well, with everything inside of us as an organization, we need to keep leaning into this map and keep asking, what are we doing? Why do we do it? How do we do it? And when do we know we're winning? Let's keep going back to some basic things and we'll do our best to remind each other about the what, why, how, and when. So that's one thing that is coming next. We're going to put something else next to that that I think is very exciting. On Sunday, May 19th, during the final Sunday of this theme, I'm going to share with you our new master plan. Since January of this year, there has been a team of individuals working on a master plan with someone who's been helping us reimagine our current facilities and how can we best use them and what do we potentially need to add to that as a result of our growth and looking at our land and our vision, our mission of pointing people to real relationships and real significance. And we've just been thinking about a lot of things and we have a new master plan to share with you. That's all gonna happen on the 19th. I hope that you'll be here because we wanna take what we're doing as a church And why and how and when, we want to take all of that and then put it next to what's going to come into the future. And on that day, I'm going to ask you to begin praying about some next steps and what all of that means for us. It's going to be a fun day, all right? So circle that on your calendar. You do not want to miss May 19th. By the way, next Sunday's Mother's Day. It's Mom's Day, and Tanya and I are going to encourage Ladies and women, you don't want to miss next week either. We're going to pull up the napkins and draw some things for moms, and that will be our cards for them probably. But we're going to do that and have a lot of fun next week and then wrap all of this up on the 19th by taking this mission and this map and putting some new thoughts about the future next to it. I'm so glad you're here. You've listened well. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for what you are doing here at Valley Point Church. We're really thankful and humbled that you are blessing us and expanding our territory. You're growing us. 
and many people here are winning as they live the map. What a beautiful thing. So God, would you give us courage to keep living the map? God, my confession to you is often I forget about it. Even as I'm helping to lead this great organization, I forget about it. And so we have to go back and remind ourselves of what, why, how, and when. So I pray today this would be very encouraging and even inspiring as we think about how you don't want us to envy. You want us to take our hearts and to honor and respect you knowing that our hope will not be cut off. God, I have a lot of hope for our future. There are so many good days out in front of us and we're going to keep moving toward that. We ask for your help and we ask for courage as we do that. Often that can be very frightening. But as a faith community, you've brought us through so many scary things, big steps of faith where we couldn't see what was going to happen or how it would work. But yet we took those steps and you guided us along the way and here we are today talking about living the map and talking about the future. So God, keep us humble before you. Keep us reliant on you. As scary as that is to pray, that's what we need. And help us all, help us all to live the map appointing people to real relationships and real significance, knowing that will have profound impact where we live, work, and play. Use us all to do this now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.